Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the sanctuary here at Bright Temple in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We're grateful that you have chosen to be with us this morning. I pray God's choices, blessings are upon you and your family. I pray that you're living by faith, that you're living encouraged, and that you're living with great expectation. Can I pray with you this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this another day. Lord, the first Sunday in a new month in this new year. And for that, just being here, Lord, we are grateful and thankful. Lord, I ask that you touch each and every one of us, Lord, as we run headlong into your word. Allow our lives to be impacted by these destiny moments. Allow us to course correct, Lord, from our own passions and from our own desires. And allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And God bless you. We have been sharing this year from the thought forward all of this year. And that will be the impetus of our of what we talk about all through the year. Something that we just want to put into your spirit that we're moving forward. We're forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward into those things which are before. Relative to that, on last week, we shared Operation Push. It was our Black History program, and we shared Operation Push. We asked you the question, who is pushing you and who are you pushing? And we pray that was a blessing to you. In line with that, we want to share something from God's word on this morning, and we pray that what you shall hear will bless you and, be, and instruct you relative to where God is trying to take you. We're going to look at Psalm 51 and 17, and then we're going to read into your hearing Luke 18, 35 through 43. Again, that is Psalm 51 and 17, and then we'll read into your hearing Luke 18, 35 through 43. And the word of the Lord says in Psalm 51 and 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Going now to Luke 18, 35 through 43. And the word in Luke 18, 35 reads, As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about commitment issues, commitment issues. In fact, we're starting a new series today where we're going to address issues relative to commitment, commitment issues. In this text, 
relative to that idea, in terms of being committed, we find a blind man who was committed to being healed. He was committed to being delivered. He was committed to leave the situation that he found himself in. He was so tired of where he was that he wanted a change. He wanted there to be something different in his life. And he was committed to that change. Now we're still in what we relatively call a new year, even though now we're in the third month. During this time, we often evaluate our principles. We evaluate our priorities. Many people form resolutions, and some people had a New, Year resol new Year's resolution, and they've already fallen off of that resolution. They're no longer committed to it. But this, each year, we commit to change. I think it's fair to say that each year, we commit to change. We commit to change because we first recognize that there are some things about ourselves, some, th some things about the way we do things that need to be tuned up, that need to be altered, that need to be perfected. And then we resolve, therefore, resolution. We resolve that we're going to do something about it. We're past recognition. First, you must have recognition. Secondly, then we resolved to do something about that which we have already recognized is a problem in our lives. Something that needs to change, something that just needs to be different. And I'm speaking to somebody out there who knows in your life right now, in your situation, in your relationships, in your walk with God, relative to your finances, relative to your job, relative even to your family. Someone right there is in that recognition phase. You haven't resolved to do anything about it, but you recognize that there is a problem. And that's, that's, many say that that's the first step. Even when it comes to psychiatry or psychology, you first have to recognize that you have a problem. You're not going to resolve to do anything about something until you recognize that you have an issue, that you have a problem. In saying that, many people want to have a makeover. They want to, their lives to be different. They want their lives to change. They want a complete makeover. But to get a complete makeover, you first have to get to a place of brokenness. You have to recognize that something is not right about my situation. And many of us, we, we have a problem right there because we do not want to acknowledge that everything about us is not right. Everything about us is not perfect. Everything about us is not where it should be. Many of us fail in the recognition phase because we're too busy being Facebook fabulous and social media stars, putting on the, the facade that everything is great about our lives. Everything is great about our relationships. Everything is great about our jobs. Everything is great about our finances. And we're so image conscious and busy building an image and building a brand that we fail to recognize some of the problems that we have in our own lives. We're too busy looking the part instead of being the part. Looking good instead of being good. Looking happy instead of being happy. It's almost as if we've gotten to the point in social media that if we don't post a picture about what we're doing, 
It's almost as if it did not happen. Did you really go on vacation if you didn't post any pictures? Did you really have fun at home if you didn't share a video? Is, is it worth even doing if you don't have a few pictures to put up on the ground? Did it really happen? Do you really, do you really absorb any energy or good feelings about it? Or really, do you have a good time unless you post about it? We've come to a place in our lives and in, not in the world where posting and looking the part has become more impart, important than doing good, than being good, than being happy. And it has caused us to not be committed to the changes that need to happen in our own lives. The first step is recognition, recognizing I want a problem. I have a problem. Recognizing I need to change, recognizing I need to do something about it. Again, you want a makeover, but you don't want to recognize, first of all, maybe I don't look as good as I think I do. Or maybe I don't look as good as I pretend to. We have to drop the facade for real recognition to happen. We have to really desire a change like the blind man in this text. He may have been blind, but in many ways he saw better than many of us. There was clarity in his life. The clarity of his life was that he wanted to see. He wanted and desired a change in his life. He desired it with all of his being, with all of his heart. I imagine that's all he prayed about. That's all he thought about was the fact that he wanted to see. It was clear. He had a clear mission. There was nothing that was fuzzy about his resolve. There was nothing that was fuzzy about his recognition of what he desired to change about his life. I want to understand. I want to talk to you. Is your recognition that clear about what you want to change in your own lives? If I asked you to put what you want to change in your life in five words, could you do it? Could you do it? Are you that clear and mission focused about what needs to change? Are you are you that clear in your recognition about what needs to be different? Are you committed to truly making a change in your life? You cannot commit to that which you have not acknowledged, which you have not recognized, which you cannot see. Sometimes, yes, I know that there are stubborn people. They don't change because they just don't want to change. But then there are some people who don't change because they don't see it. They really don't see it. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and it was abundantly clear to you, but it was not so clear to them? They needed a change, but they couldn't see it. Let me tell you something that happened to me pretty funny. I didn't recognize it until I got home, but I was, I was at home and then I, ran, I needed to run to Walmart the other day. Need to run to Walmart, so I go outside, and where we, we have a little uh, ledge where we keep a lot of our shoes right outside the door and ask not to mess up the house. Decided to slide on some, some of my Crocs real quick to run to Walmart. Slid on my Crocs, went, went to Walmart, picked up my item. While I was at Walmart, a couple people looked at me. I didn't think much about it. I thought maybe sometimes I have a face that seems familiar. Didn't think about it, went home. And I was at home a while, still had my Crocs on, walking around. 
Did a few things, and then I went back to that ledge at the house where you take, I, took, I had picked up the shoes, and I was dropping them back off. And as I was taking them off, I recognized I had on mismatched Crocs. One was one color, and one was another. And now I understood very clearly why people may have been looking at me funny, wondering if I had done that on purpose. No, it wasn't a style. I just was not careful when getting ready before leaving. The example that I'm giving you there is that people who saw me, even though I didn't see it, clearly saw that I needed a change, but I didn't recognize it myself. There was a change. There was something wrong. And I needed to change it. And other people on the outside saw it clearly, but I didn't see it so clearly. I was so focused and was not looking down at my feet and focused long enough to recognize I needed a change. What I'm saying is it was mismatched Crocs for me, but what is it for you? What are the mismatched Crocs in your life? What is it that you're working with and dealing with right now that everybody on the outside can look and see very clearly that you need to change it, but maybe, maybe you have difficulty seeing? Sometimes relatives bring it up to you, but sometimes we dismiss relatives as being haters. Sometimes our friends mention it, and a lot of times our friends, they want to be our friends, so they don't, they don't say it in an evil way, but they may joke about it. They may mention it. But even in their mentioning it, they're trying to help you recognize something in your life that needs to change. Maybe you think about it from time to time, but then you just dismiss it out of hand. You see it as something that that is just you. I've always been like that. My granddaddy was like that. Maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just a sign of, of, my, of, of my relation and who I'm, who, how I grew up and where I'm from and who I'm related to. But maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe that is a signal that it is something that needs to change in your life, that needs to change in your habits. It may be your habit that's holding you back that needs to change. You need to recognize and be as clear as this blind man is, recognizing what he knew needed to change in his life. He was clear about it. He understood it. He was focused on it. I imagine he thought about it daily. If I could just see. And some of you are there. Some of you clearly recognize that one thing in your life that you know needs to change. You're saying, if this, if I had this, or if I could do this, or if I could change this, then my life would be different. And let me tell you, for every single one of you, if that if is money, then you're wrong. For every single one of you. Because I imagine there are many of you who say, oh, if I had a million dollars. Or if I had this amount of money. Or if I had that. I want to tell every single one of you, to a man and to every woman, that you're wrong. It's not money. Because God will supply anything that you need. God will supply the resources that you need. Maybe it's not the resources. Maybe you lack a plan. You think it's resources, but the problem is you don't have a good plan. If you had a plan for the resources, then God would give you what you need. Maybe you don't dream big enough. 
Maybe the amount of money that you have right now is sufficient for the small dream that you have for yourself. Maybe the money you have is indicative of how you see yourself. And I want you to grasp that for a moment. Maybe you don't grasp see yourself as big. Maybe you don't see yourself as large. Maybe you don't see yourself the way God sees you. And and the money that you have right now is reflective of how you see yourself. What you're possessing on the outside is simply a reflection of how you see yourself on the inside. If I want bigger, if I want more money, well, first of all, maybe I need to see myself bigger. Maybe I need to see myself with more. I think it's money that's necessary to fund my dream. Maybe I need to dream bigger. Maybe I need to step out in faith. Maybe I need to demonstrate to God that I have the faith that is necessary to accomplish that big dream. So if it's not how I see myself and if it's not the dream and if if it's not the faith. If it's not how I see myself and if it's not how big I dream. And it's not the faith. When you supply the faith, God has the mission. God has a purpose. All things work together for the good of them who love the Lord to them who are the called according to his purpose. He is going to prepare you and make provisions for anything that's inside your purpose. So maybe you've dreamed, maybe you see yourself big enough, maybe you've dreamed big enough and maybe you have the faith. But maybe you need to examine is what I'm pursuing inside God's purpose. And once it's inside God's purpose, do I have the internal drive? Am I committed enough? Because there's a difference. There's a lot of things we say that sound good when we say it, but are we committed to it? Are we committed to it? Because a lot of times I heard one successful man say, somebody came up to him and said, I want to I want what you have. I want to be just like you. And he said, hold up a minute. You just lied. He said, I believed you when you said you want what I have. He said, but you don't want to be me. You don't you don't you don't want to be me. He said, because to get to where I've gotten, I lost a lot. To get to where I've gotten, I lost a lot of friends along the way. To get to where I've gotten, I I abandoned some people because I was so obsessed with what I was working on. To get to where I've gotten, I've developed physical conditions. I had to go to the doctor for, for anxiety, for my health and for my heart because my passion is so strong that it keeps me up at night. It has an impact on my health because of this passion. So, yes, I agree with the first statement that you made. Yes, you might want what I have, but you don't want to be me because you don't want to do what is necessary to get what I have. You're not committed enough. That's what he was saying. You don't have the same drive and the same passion that I have for what I've done to get to where I've gotten. You don't want to be me. Because it takes commitment. It takes total commitment. Heard one, another 
organist said, somebody said, well, I want to play just like you do. He said, no, you don't. You don't really want to. He said, because if you really wanted to, you'd stay up all night practicing. You wake up practicing. You go to sleep practicing. You listen to others and you practice. And you keep practicing. You practice 12 hours a day. Practicing, getting better. You, you say you want to be as good as I am, but are you committed to what is necessary to get to the level where I am? Do you have 12 hours that you will spend on the bench in front of the piano, in front of the keyboard to play like I play, to learn what I've learned, to develop the talent and the gift that I have? Are you that committed? Yes, you want what I have. You're not committed enough to be me. You're not committed enough to work on your gift to perfect it to the level that I have. I'm asking you, are you committed? When I thought about this text, and I saw the commitment of the blind man. I was looking at his commitment. I was looking at how focused he was on what he wanted. But something that I've learned in reading the text, you don't want to take it out of context. You want to read the remainder of the chapter to get an understanding as to what Luke is saying. So to get a better understanding of Luke, what he's saying here in chapter 18, you don't start at the 35th verse where our text starts. Don't start there. You need to start at the beginning of Luke. Luke said in verse 1, Luke 18 and 1, says, and he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end. This is the purpose of, the, of, the, of, of his speaking. This is the purpose of the parable. He said that men ought to always pray and not faint. He's giving you the purpose of the chapter in Luke 18 and 1. That's the prologue. Everything else that follows is simply building upon the purpose. This is the foundation of the text. This is the foundation of the chapter. Men ought to persevere. Men ought to pray. Men ought to be committed and not faint. Everything else that I'm going to say subsequent to this verse builds upon that foundation that you have to persevere that you have to pray, that you have to be committed, that you have to resolve in your mind that I'm not going to faint. Resolve in your mind that I can go a little bit further. Resolve it in your mind. I'll tell you as a result, as it relates to that, to me, I, I had thought as a young man that I thought I had young, low blood sugar. It's something that I, I was told. I had low blood sugar. A few times in my life I had passed out, but it was always when I seemed to be when I was sick, when there was another condition. Talked to my doctor recently. They said, I think that's something somebody just told you. And then every time something happened, you just believed it, but it was connected to you being sick already. When he, when he told me that, it was revelation in my mind. I began to realize that I was acting based upon false information. I had accepted something that was not true. 
So as soon as I accepted that, as soon as I recognized it and the doctor told me that, I said, I have been missing out all these years because I was afraid to do a complete fast for a whole day because I thought I would black out. I would pass. I would I, I would faint. So I would fast as long as I could and then eat a little something before the day was over. As soon as he told me that the next day, I fasted for a whole day and drank only water. And I was fine. I said, I, 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 put my, I just put my foot in the water. The next week, I fasted for three days straight. Didn't have anything, any food or any water. I, I, I just water. I didn't have any food for three complete days. And I was fine. Didn't even have a headache. I was fine. It was something that I had accepted about myself that I found out was not true. Then I was able to persevere. Why? Because my mind changed. When I got to a moment during those three days when I felt a little weak, because some of you know that I run in those three days. I ran all three days, too. All three days. Ran five miles each day. I ran and I did not eat. And I was fine. So in the middle of my run, when I would ordinarily feel like, ooh, my, my blood sugar is low. I said, no, I'm okay. Because my mind changed. My body did not change. My body had the same chemistry that it had before the doctor told me that. The only difference was my mind changed. And because my mind was changed, I was committed to push through. So yes, I felt weak during those days, but I pushed through because I was committed. Yes, during the run, I said, oh, I'm tired. I'm, I'm lacking energy. But I said, I'm committed. My mind has been changed. So I pushed through it. I pushed through it. Because I trusted in what I had been told. And my mind had been changed. And I was committed to finish. We have to commit to finish what God has started in our lives. Why don't you hashtag that, commit to finish. Do that right now, commit to finish. Whatever God has started, commit to finish that. Whatever God has given you, he's able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God said, I will never leave you. God said, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. That's what the word says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. That's God's commitment to us in his word. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. So there I will be there to sustain you till the finish. I'll be waiting for you. God's everywhere. He's there in the middle of the trial. He's there before the trial starts, and he's waiting for you at the finish line. God's in every place. He's omnipresent. He's there before the trial starts. He's there with you in the middle of the trial, and he's waiting for you at the finish line. Commit to finish. Put that in your heart. Whatever I have started, I am going to be committed to finish. So 18 and 1, that's what Jesus is saying. This whole chapter is going to be about being committed, 
persevering to pray and always pray and not faint. So then he gives you an example. What's the first example he gives you? It starts in Luke 18 and 2. He says, in the city, there was a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. So there's a judge. He's, he's an evil judge. He doesn't fear God nor regard man. And then yet there comes a widow woman to him. And she said, avenge me of mine adversary. That judge had no, no spiritual feeling, nor moral obligation or thought to help this woman. He had no moral obligation, no, no legal obligation to help this woman. And he was just inclined against it. But you know what? It said, and she said, she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he said he would not for a while. He said, but the woman kept on after him. She kept on. She was committed. She kept bothering him and kept bothering him. I, I, back in those days, she had to go find him. That means when, when, he, when he showed up to work, she was sitting there looking at him. Avenge me of my adversary. I imagine when he left his house, she was standing outside the door. Avenge me of my adversary. Imagine when he, when he tried to take a break in the middle of the work, she was waiting outside the door. Avenge me of my adversary. When he started walking home from work, she walked with him. Avenge me of my adversary. And the woman troubled him so much, she was so committed to what she needed and what she desired. The wicked judge, the evil judge that did not fear God or regard man said, because you trouble me, Give this woman what she desires. Give this woman what she wants. Why? Because the woman was committed. She was committed. And I say to you again today, commit to finish. So that's the first story that Luke says. So he gives us this parable of the woman to who, gets her, who gets vengeance from the judge because she kept bothering him. And so then it talks about in Luke in Luke, 9, Luke 18 and 9, then he gets into the, he talks about the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee and the publican. Now we know he talks about the Pharisee who prayed on the corner. And the publican who said, Lord, I'm not even worthy. He wouldn't even lift up his head. He wouldn't lift up his head. He didn't feel like he was deserving. But you know what? He recognized he needed a change. Recognized he needed a change. This man, I imagine he was shy. I put it in modern day terms. I, I can even see this man being claustrophobic. I can see this man being fearful. I, I can see this man having anxiety. I, I can see this man not even liking to go out in public. I can see him when people looked at him, he was ashamed and shy and he would put to, he would he would look down towards the ground. Didn't want anybody looking at him. He didn't want to make eye contact. He was afraid of people. He was he was agoraphobic. He didn't want to be close to people. He didn't want to be out in public. He, he, he feared large spaces. He was a fearful man, he, but but he recognized. Despite all of my fears, despite all of my anxieties, despite my shame of recognizing how sinful I am. I am committed to change. I am committed to turning my life around. I am committed 
And I want somebody to get this. I'm committed to tomorrow being different. Somebody who's stuck right now. I want you to do that. Commit to tomorrow, your tomorrow being different. Whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, whether you need to save more money, whether you need to work on your skills to get a new job, whether you want to raise on your job, whether you want to be elevated on your job. Do something today to commit to make tomorrow different. You have to do something about it. Stop waiting on other people. You have to commit to my tomorrow being different. I refuse for it to be the same. I refuse for tomorrow to look like today and yesterday. I refuse for my future to look like my present or my past. I am committed to tomorrow being different. But Luke wasn't finished. He talked about the, he, first of all, I told you this is about commitment. He said men ought to always pray and not faint. You need to persevere. You need to commit. He then talks about the judge. The woman kept worrying him about vengeance, and she got her vengeance because she was committed. He talked about the publican, the publican who was so sorrowful about his sin, this man who was shy, who was anxious, who was agoraphobic, who, who, who feared people and, and, was, and, and had felt so much guilt regarding his sin, but he recognized he was committed to a change. So he went to the temple and, and then he prayed because he was committed. And then Jesus, what happens next? Jesus, there in Luke 8, 18 and 16, they, 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 the children start coming to Jesus and they start coming to him. And as they ran to him, then the disciples started shooing them away. No, 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 sit down, sit down. Don't, don't bother the master. Don't bother the teacher. Don't bother the savior. And Jesus rebuked them. And he said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this, those who will not receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child will no wise have no part in my kingdom. You have to have the commitment like a child. That child, that wide-eyed child, that child with, with all that energy. It seems like nobody loves you like that child. That child bounds to you, runs you, and hugs you with all their might, with everything that is in them. They hug you almost every time like that's the last time they're going to see you. Because they are committed to you. They love you. They embrace you. Some of you, if you be honest with yourself, some of you have children because that made you feel better about yourself. Let's be real. Having children made you feel better about yourself. You needed somebody to look up to. You needed somebody to love you unconditionally because so many people, so many spouses, men and women in your past had made you feel like nothing. But it was the boundless love and energy of that child that helped heal you, that made you feel special, that made you get up off your butt. And some of you went back to school when you had that child. Some of you finished your education when you got that child. Some of you decided I needed to get a better job because of that child. Some of you said I need to get my credit together and get my finances in order and buy myself a home because of that child. 
And that sometimes that child, that energy of that child, the passion of that child cause you to get better. My own life, I had, to, I had to look again at my priorities when I, start, when I had children, when my wife was sitting there with twin sons in her stomach. I had to evaluate what am I doing? What is the focus of my life? Which way am I going to go so that not only I can provide for them, but I also need to spend time with them? I have to provide, but I need to spend time with them. It, it clarifies some things. It clarifies your focus causes you to commit. It may help you with your commitment issues. Committed to change things in your own life. I'm not talking about committing to another person. I'm not saying have a child so you commit to another person. No, I'm saying sometimes having a child helps you commit to who you need to be. And guess what? If you commit to who you need to be, get this, then you might find the someone who needs to be in your life. Instead of finding a wife, find yourself. You commit to finding out who you are and then you might someone else special might arrive in your life. Maybe that's all God's waiting for. How can I commit to a woman when I can't commit to myself? When you're committed to being the best version of yourself. Then the person that is ready to share the rest of your life with you may come. You have to be committed. But no, and I'm about to close. Luke was not finished. I told you, Luke, this chapter was about commitment. He said you have to commit through prayer. Men ought to always pray and not faint. So then he gives you the story of the woman with the judge. She kept fighting until she got vengeance from her enemy, vengeance from her adversary. Then there was the, 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 the publican, the publican who was so phobic and so anxious and so guilty about his sin, but yet he was committed to make a change in his life. So Jesus gives the story of the publican. Then after the story of the publican, he talks about the children. He says, you have to have that boundless energy and passion, just like a child. You have to seek after my kingdom like that child. And he said, in fact, he said, if you do not seek after my kingdom like a child, verse 17, Luke 18, 17, said, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's about commitment. You have to be committed. And then comes the final story that I want to tell you. Young, rich man. He comes to Jesus. And he has a question. He comes to him, rich young ruler. He said, good master. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, first of all, he called him good master. Jesus said, nobody's good but God, so calm down. Nobody's good but God. He kept him in order. And then he said, well, you know, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness. He gave him the Ten Commandments, the whole spiel from Exodus. And the young man, rich young ruler, said, well, I have done that from my youth. I've always done that. That's not a problem. But Jesus, being the great spiritual diagnostician that he is, was able to diagnose that man in just a moment. We know how he diagnosed the Samaritan woman at the well, remember? woman was trying to question who he was, and then he said, well, woman, you, you, you had, you've had five husbands. You, you do say well to say you're not married. You've had five husbands, and you, the one that you're with right now is not your husband. Then she said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Jesus was the great spiritual diagnostician. 
So here in this young man who is pursuing God and trying to find out what else he can do to inherit the kingdom of heaven, Jesus pulls out his spiritual diagnostician hat one more time. He asked him about, have you been obedient to the commandments? And then he, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. Reminds me how they say the word of God is like a two-edged sword piercing to divide asunder even the spirit. He said, you lack one thing. He said, distribute everything that you have to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure with me. Come and follow me. I say the word is powerful like a sword because when Jesus said that, that's what it felt like in that rich young ruler's heart. He said of all of the things that you could have asked for, you've gone to the heart of the matter. The thing that I is most important to me. The thing that I cherish the most. You, you've talked about what I own and what I have. And the word says the young ruler Put down his head. And he walked away with shame. Why? Because Jesus found the area where the young man was not committed. He was committed to a degree. He was committed to a point. But he was not committed enough to give away all his riches to the poor and follow Jesus. Jesus found the source the area where he lacked commitment. Which brings us to our story. Blind man saw Jesus. Well, he didn't see Jesus. He heard Jesus was coming. And he yelled out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And it says everybody tried to calm him down. Everybody told him to sit down. Everybody told him it's not your turn. It's not your place. And I'm speaking to somebody who's there right now. Somebody told you it's not your place. Somebody told you it's not your turn. It's not your time. But he was committed. He was not going to allow anybody to sit him down. He was not going to allow anyone to push him back. He was not going to allow anybody to sit him down or shut him up. After they hushed him, he said with an even louder voice, son of David, have mercy on me. Cried so loud and so powerfully. The word records that Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. And he did not move until he had that man come to him. The man was committed. The man had faith. The man believed. He trusted God with all his heart. He recognized the area where he was broken. And he resolved that it was going to change. He decided that my tomorrow, literally, get this, pun intended, my tomorrow is not going to look like today. Could not see, but he determined in his mind he was committed. My tomorrow is not going to look like my today. Jesus stood still. He waited on the man to come to him. 
And he asked the question, very profound. What do you want me to do for you? That's so powerful. This man was so committed, so passionate about what he wanted, so focused in his recognition of his problem and his brokenness. So resolved in his mind that he was not going to allow anybody to get in his way to stop him from receiving what he needed from God. His recognition and his resolve and his commitment caused Jesus to stand still and ask the man, what is it that you would have me to do for you? And the man said, which made me tear up a little bit, said, Lord, that I might recover my sight. I know being blind is hard, but I, I can't imagine it being any harder than having had your sight and then losing it. At least if you're blind, you, you, you're born blind, you never knew what you had. But when you've had it, and then you lost it. There's so much pain in losing it. So many recriminations and guilt as to, you know, what could I have done differently? Or if you couldn't have done anything differently, then you ask not, not the physical question, then you ask the metaphysical question. What did I do wrong that I deserve to lose my sight? What did I do wrong to lose my sight? Imagine the man breaking down in his heart. Jesus has asked me what I want and I've wanted it for so long that I get to say it out loud. And when I say it, I actually believe that he's going to do something about it. I'm speaking my change into existence. And I dare somebody to do that right now by faith to speak your change into existence. I'm going to recover my sight. I'm going to recover my faith. I'm going to recover my salvation. I'm going to recover my relationship. I'm going to recover my financial situation. I'm going to recover my child that has been lost to me for so long. I'm speaking into existence the change that is about to happen in my life. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth, it shall be loosed in heaven. I'm declaring by faith and believing God. That as I speak my change, that God is doing something about it. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. The most hopeful things about what has been said is that it's not my words. Because my words are meaningless. My words may only reach the ceiling. But because they're your words, from your book, from your book of promises, Lord, we can stand on that word.
we can speak on that word we can establish a change and commit to change our lives because of your word your word you said not one promise not one jot or tittle of your word will fail Lord we thank you that it's your word that says if we're committed then we can see a change I'm committed that my tomorrow is not going to look like today I'm committed that the words that I'm speaking right now are literally speaking my change into existence I'm not gonna feel like I felt today I'm not I'm gonna be healthier tomorrow than I was today I'm going to be closer to God tomorrow than I am at this moment. I'm going to be committed to change what needs to be changed in my life so that my tomorrow I can wake up with hope knowing that I'm speaking change into my life. And I'm accepting and believing that word by faith right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, it is done. There may be somebody out there who says, I'm not saved. My life is not right with God. Can I pray with you? Just lift your hands and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart. Wash my mind. Wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hand. And today I claim him as my savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my savior and my Lord. If you said that prayer by faith, if you said it with commitment in your heart, then you are saved. You are saved. Get connected to a church. Get connected to a body of believers so that you can grow and mature in God as he would desire you to. If you want to join us here, you can do that virtually. Just text Bright Temple, one word, all together. Bright Temple to 66866. And you can become a virtual part of our ministry right now. Join in with us where you can be encouraged and grow in God. And I know that you will be blessed. Well, saints of God, it's communion Sunday. I pray that you've set aside your crackers, your cups, your bread, your juice. As we're about to participate and take up God's body and his blood. We're going to pray God's prayer over the sacrament as you're getting ready and prepared to partake at home and to be with us to join in with our virtual communion service this morning as we remember Christ's great sacrifice for us on Calvary. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we partake of your body and blood, let us not be guilty of the same, 
but let us do so soberly and mindfully of the great sacrifice you made for us at Calvary. This we do in remembrance of thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I speak unto you and deliver unto you that which was also spoken unto me that Jesus the same night that he was betrayed took bread as I now do. And when he had break it, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you at Calvary. As often as you do so, you do so in remembrance of me. In like manner, he took also the cup. At Bright Temple, we lifted above our heads so that we're completely covered. This is the new communion in my blood. Drink ye all of it. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show remembrance of me until I shall come again. I pray each of you have been blessed by what you've heard on this morning. I pray that your lives have been enriched and encouraged. And I pray that we, something has been said to help invigorate that light on the inside of you. Remember, do this for me. Recognize that you need a change. Recognize that you need a change. Resolve, be committed to bring change into your life. Make sure that your tomorrow looks different than your today. And remember, you have the power. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You have the power to speak change into your existence. And I pray that you do that even right now. God bless you until I shall see you again.